Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Well, I think that uh, photography it carries different meanings based on what you're using it for and the message that you're trying to convey. Um, it could very much uh, be an artistic expression. It can be a creative expression where you're sharing about yourself and your perspectives through the visual medium. Um, but in my life, more often than not, photography is data. It's information. Um, it's recording a log of, you know, what happened at that exact moment in real life that, you know, sure, can be altered to some degree. But for the most part, uh, it's, it's just a, a reliable and, uh, you know, important piece of information that we can use for the future. Hello world, this is exciting. This is the launch of Project Green Screen. Now, I've been trying to make Shooting It Raw explode and blow up, and I've had amazing guests. But now, I'm pushing it on to you. So I'm leaving it open to you. Just leave a comment somewhere, either on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, what else? There's uh, Instagram, there's coconuts on the beach. Just leave a note anywhere saying, well, why don't you talk to this person? And I will do the work of reaching out. Project Green Screen. So when I find a new name, I will add that name to the green screen and then I'll talk to them. Now, does that mean I'll be using a green screen? No, because this is audio. It's a podcast. So there's no video, no green screen. But I like the idea of having a big old green screen that I start writing down the names of people who are going to be on the podcast. Maybe it'll work. Maybe I'll add Kevin Hart. Yeah. So leave a comment, leave who you'd like me to talk to. I'll add it to the green screen and who knows, someday maybe I'll get them to talk to me on Shooting It Raw. Thanks and have a happy new year. Samantha, Sam, perfect. That's great. Um, as we have our conversation, you may hear uh, a kind of a really pained, uh, mournful cry like, oh, it's not a person. It's a cow. So I have cows okay. live around the village and uh, it. it's probably a mom just calling out to her calf. I'm a big animal lover, so uh, the more animal noises come out in the background, the more comfortable I'll be. <laughs> okay, 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 good. I see we're, okay, so, uh, okay, so Samantha Jewel Fowl, that, that's right? How do you say your name properly? Yes, yeah, no, you got it exact right. Uh, Jewel like a gem, Fowl like wow. Okay, I, I'm just super curious about everything. What? Where? I've never seen a name like that. Like, uh, is it French originally or what? Well, uh, it was more or less a product of a bunch of people changing their minds about things, right? <laughs> so uh, the last name Fowl, yeah. from what I had been told, it's very uncommon. That's it's yeah. just, it's it's you know it's it's not something you see every day. Yeah. But I ha was told by my family it was uh, like Dutch. Okay. And there were immigrants many, many generations ago, and they changed it from the Dutch spelling to right. like you know an Americanized spelling, and so it's kind of like you know it was just some. And then Jewel. Um, 
it was just something that my mother picked, but she wanted it to be spelled like the unit of energy. Exactly. Right? J-O-U. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of, yeah. And yeah. so like kind of like a nod to like kind of like science and, and, and technology. Your mom and, sounds awesome. Um, she's super awesome. And when I asked her where the name Samantha came from, she said, well, I don't know. It was around your due date and it was either going to be Amanda or Samantha. Okay. And I just picked one. I okay. said, okay. <laughs> Nice. I'm glad you picked it. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And especially now that I do so much content creation, um, it's definitely a good, like it has a, like a nice ring to it. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, you know, like, uh, you're hired. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, is it okay if I call you Sam? Please do. Okay. So uh, we, we have never met before and I <laughs> love... I love this, you know, where I kind of sit back and I, I think to myself, who out there in the world of the world would I want to talk to that, that seems interesting? And I don't even remember how it's maybe it relates to a book with your name on yes. it. Yes. Ah, oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good yell. <laughs> yes. It was a really big project. I worked really hard on it. So now that whenever people, like, you know, recognize it it's or baby. come across it, it's just, it is. It's my passion project. It's my, my legacy. Nice. Um, and it, it means a lot to me. And uh, I'm obviously really passionate about it. And so just like, you know, anyone who has a passion, whenever there's anyone out there who, you know, sees you and recognizes you for it, it's it's very exciting. Yeah. Oh, it's wicked. I love your energy. I love I love it. I love it. Uh, so uh, we're going to dive in through your photographs, get to know you, share. Okay, so the podcast, um, in case you haven't checked it out or whatever, is really, uh, okay, it's framed around photography, right? Because everybody's got photos. And that curates the conversation so that it moves along pretty quickly. And, and we see how you make sense of the world, what's interesting to you, what's important to you. And then... Uh, you'll you'll notice the hour goes by super fast, and hopefully this way will inspire uh, other people to kind of go, hey, wait a minute, that's that's interesting. And then who knows where they go, but that's basic. So, you know, the question, the main question we're going to try to answer is, if life really is a gift, how do we make every second count? You're in? I'm in. Awesome. Okay, so I don't look at the photographs beforehand until I speak with the person mm-hmm. and I'm bringing it up. And okay, so. What's the first one? It's, it's, it's perfect. It's yummy. It's, got, <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so, okay, so usually what I do is I describe it because it's a, po- like, it's a podcast about photographs. Yes. So uh, I'm, ass- I'm assuming that's you because it's in the bright noonday sun leaning on some beautiful rock there is nothing green around you so in the background is like rock face i mean is that sandstone or is that um yeah so what you are looking at is a small piece of the beautiful landscape of moab utah Ah. which is one of my all-time favorite locations and uh sort of a temporary transient residence for me uh during the time of my life where i was living nomadic um that is one of the ways that i started my career slash life as a content creator i had you know sort of a 
a really challenging situation. Like after graduate school, I got married and it was really, it turned out to be a really terrible situation, like domestic violence and all sorts of things. And I found myself, yeah, it was, it was really like, I mean, a, a super massive disruption. And so instead of just carrying on in the same old manner that I had in the past where it's like, okay, you go to work, you go to school, you try to make the things work. I just essentially broke all of those paradigms and uh, I hit the road, right? It was me and a Jeep and a German Shepherd and Uh a laptop. Uh-huh. The German Shepherd shows up later in the in the photographic story because she's still around, okay, right? She's okay. a beautiful senior lady of 12 years old. Uh, but um, this is actually uh, just from this year, returning to Moab, uh, you know, kind of going full circle okay. uh, because it's just a place where any and all gypsies and travelers are welcome. <laughs> and uh, when I was a gypsy traveler, I always felt very so welcome. So you're, you are, okay. So just for the, the listener, okay. So the background is just some beautiful rock essentially going up to the top of the frame. And it's like you're standing on a hill. It's a very strange composition in the mm-hmm. sense that you're standing on what looks like polished rock that's quite bright and almost cream colored and in the background is probably the same rock that's in a kind of shadow that's a lot redder and so if somebody's seen images of moab uh they'll know a lot of what that stone is like you're dressed like such a gypsy it's crazy it's hard to believe yeah you've got you've got a, a a sports bra on you've got like tights for what looks like rock climbing or jogging and you've got like mm-hmm. those aren't rock climbing shoes so moab is no, for rock climbing trail runners but yeah so moab is known for rock climbing and for cycling for sure uh, yes i do that, that's one of the things that i definitely got into when i was there it's something i've carried on with me through my adventures and now as i settled down into colorado do a lot of rock climbing and that really does allow you to see um all of you know you really get deep into the mountains, deep into the wilderness, and you get to see how diverse nature really is. And that's something that I tried to represent uh, sort of like, you know, in my photographs that like the beauty of nature exists uh, in many different ways, right? And also, uh, you know, that just because uh, something isn't green, right, Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily (laughs) mean that it's not. Literally nothing green in this photo. Yeah, yeah. And it's also just ecologically a very important place. Yep. Uh, that is right near um, what is known as uh, the Slick Rock area yep. uh, in a Moab State Park. And it is famous for essentially uh, little micro ecosystems that emerge in the rocks mm-hmm. as it rains and they collect little puddles. Each of those little puddles turns into a little pond yep. with, uh, you know, its its own, um, you know, like plants and animals and, and all different things. Super and that's fast. able to support life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people they see the desert and they think, oh, it's bare and it's 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 desolate and it's empty. And honestly, um nothing could be further from the truth. It's very uh-huh. alive. Okay. Oh, Sam, I love it. I love it. Okay, so how <laughs> why how okay, so we you know, of all the the library and potential places to start, you picked this one. Why 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 launch your narrative or your call this a biographical review or uh a presentation of what's important for you uh important ideas important themes whatever it is why start with this image that shows you in in an inhospitable place looking totally alive looking happy looking a little sunburnt 
But yeah, so 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 what <laughs> why start there? Uh well, I think everyone could empathize with the idea of different phases of our lives and many of us uh different phases of our lives are connected to different locations. Sure, okay. Um and so for me, you know, this phase of my life really did start in in Moab. And, you know, as you observed, it looks inhospitable, right? Mm-hmm. Like it looks rough and challenging and difficult. And during that phase of my life, yeah, it was rough and it was challenging and it was difficult. But still, it was just so rich and so beautiful and so free. And I think that those things are both represented here, right? Like, yes, it looks like a very harsh environment. Yes, I am sunburned, but it's still, I'm having an amazing time because just because you might be physically uncomfortable in your surroundings doesn't necessarily mean that you're not exactly where you need to be. Oh, for sure. Um, So where did you, so usually if you're, traveling gypsying moving around you're going from someplace so where were you bef- what where were you before you got to moab i lived in vermont for oh, several wow. years that's okay. where i got my law degree and my masters in energy regulation and my uh masters of laws in environmental law kick ass so that's really where i had i know yeah it was a long list um i a couple of them were through like research fellowships and things were like you know it came with like kind of tuition opportunities and whatever but yeah you know that's um uh, that the New England chapter was its own chapter, sure. and uh, there are certainly photographs that periodically appear in my feed uh, from that time okay. in my life. But it just seemed, even though it wasn't terribly long ago, because it was an entirely different chapter and an entirely different phase. Yeah, there isn't that same amount of attachment, right. right? You know, it's like it doesn't have that same. I've been back to Vermont. I have visited friends there and been to places that were meaningful to me, but it still doesn't hold my heart and capture right. my heart like the places that uh, now feel yeah. like home. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so did you move to Vermont from like is that where you're born? Like were you born northeast? Like where I was born actually in San Diego, California. Oh, wow, and okay. then I moved to uh Florida when I was very young, and that's where I was raised. I oh. kinda had like a you know, slow beach uh surfer bum kind wow. of teenage life and uh yeah, did really well in school always. Always loved the outdoors, yeah. loved being outside. Love plants and animals, and um, that's really law. what led me to, huh? Ended up in environmental law. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I did not go to law school with ever any intention of practicing or litigating. Right. I really just always felt, uh, you know, from what I learned about the, you know, my first degrees in economics, right? Okay. Like my bachelor's in economics, and there's just certain things that must be done to prevent harm. For, to people from natural uh, transactions, right? And one of those things is that we do absolutely, absolutely, absolutely have to keep our economy accountable for pollution, yep. climate change, uh, you know, all of the poor waste management that happens. This is a natural consequence of the way that we've chosen to structure our society. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just that's really where I saw my passion fits, right? Yeah. I care deeply. I love to sit in, in nature. I yeah. love to be outdoors. Um, I love to be with animals. And, uh, you know, how do I make that like my contribution to the world? Well, you know, I do what I can to, you know, sort of uh, fill the gaps uh, where the things that we do may not be so great for the environment. 
Ah, this is food. This is for me. This is like a nourishing meal. This is great. Uh, so in terms of the podcast that, you know, for some background, there are four kind of emerging themes. One of them is creative expression. So I get a lot of photographers and artists. One of them is uh, conservation because I'm a big conservationist and I'm connected to a lot of conservation people. Uh, one of them is service leadership, which is um, so, for example, in a, in, a, in a school, in a law firm, in a family, the connection between people is what, you know, we call service, right? Like service isn't customer service in our minds. In our minds, service is just the connection between people. Like right now, you're giving me uh, a service as an uh, inspiring, brilliant um, guest on my podcast. And I'm giving you a service of hopefully being a good, engaging host or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so service leadership is a big, big something I've, been, I've spent about 15 years on. And one of them is strong women. So you seem to fit the bill on many of the, of the, of the pillars. And I see that you're a, a, you suffer from being a massive underachiever. <laughs> I hear that a lot, you know. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I like it. I like it when you're laughing, and I can see your tonsils. Then I know I said something kind of funny. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the, the real. I love it. The, the authentic cackle, yes. right? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, that's true. I, I I joke that I can't. I just can't. I can't stop myself. You know. And it's um, one of the things that I find myself saying often is that, you know, if you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. And right. that's just something that uh, I constantly reiterate to people because I did start my career off as a young 20-something believing that it was putting one foot in front of the other so you climb the ladder to get to where you want to be. And right. that's not my experience at all. Uh, my experience has been putting one foot in front of the other and following your passion and do and being true to yourself. And then you excel in that space. Okay. Right. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, like, why did you write this book? And I said, well, you know, a lot of reasons, but fundamentally it's because I care deeply about the environment mm-hmm. and I am a perpetual, sometimes, uh, obnoxious optimist. And I do truly believe that, you know, armed with the same knowledge that I've had the opportunity to get through graduate school and through content creation contracts with tech companies and, and all these different things, that armed with that same knowledge and information, everyone um, can have a positive impact on the environment. And we can all together, through that service leadership orientation, right, you know, um, work together yeah. to make a better life for all of us sure. right and and it's you know it's it's super non-controversial right and nobody loves litter no, people course. do not like uh polluted water it's right. it's deeply upsetting it's it's not necessarily you know p- people disagree on what and how and who uh you know should fix it but nobody disagrees that it should be fixed right right yeah um okay so i am very far away from you at the moment so i live in a country park with uh, at the moment we have four dogs and five cats in the house. Uh, the country park is in Hong Kong, and I don't know if you've been to Asia, but uh, super green, super amazing, and it's a difficult problem in a way. Not a problem, but it's it's a it's a hard problem that, for example, Hong Kong is so dense with people and is so full on capitalist oriented right and people trying to make money and all this stuff but one huge blind spot 
people in our city, uh, in this city has, is it's in, it's improving. But, you know, when you say, oh, yeah, people don't want pollution in their water and they don't want, you know, people don't want to see litter outside their door or whatever. And yet, you know, I agree with you completely. And yet the reality is like around me are people who just chuck their garbage out the window and they don't even think about it. And that's an education and awareness. <clears throat> so, yeah, so I'm I'm with you 100%, but I'm also a, a tireless optimist as well. Yeah, because, you know, just to your point, is the problem that they are chucking their garbage out the window and not thinking about it? Or is the problem that they have not been provided with the infrastructure they need to manage their waste effectively, right? And the awareness that they need to know, you know, hey, like this is how, what you do with it instead. How dare you turn it around and with a really in- intelligent question? You're going <laughs> to expect me to respond to that? Jeez, okay. Well, there's actually a funny, um, a, a bit of an anecdote about uh, the same thing that happened, you know, here in the United States. So the United States really became a disposal forward culture after World War II. That's when the plastic industry really started uh, making affirmative moves to literally sell you every product wrapped in plastic, right? It's wrapped in garbage. The first thing you have to do whenever you open anything is throw something away, right? Uh, And that was done intentionally. Back uh, you know, the pre-World War eras, things were reusable. Sure. Diapers were washed and reused. Linen services came around and helped people with that. Uh, milk, you know, the milk yep. was delivered. Uh, you know, every soda and every beer was sold in a refundable container. Yep. Uh, and we're just right now returning to that reusable culture because there was an intentional period of time where we were taught to throw things away. Right, right. We were shown, no, 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 no. Don't reuse that milk bottle, buy it in a plastic jug and then throw that away, right? And so just as we have had to be trained away from reusing things to throwing things away, people again have to be trained back from throwing things away to reusing things, right? It's it's (sighs) doable. I'm sighing because I am really enjoying this conversation. Um, Let's move on to the next photo. I Now, wait, wait, wait. Before, before, I don't want it to get lost. What's the title of your book? So we, we have to plug it. Yes. Plug the book. Please buy my book. It's self-published. I, I, it was all, all bootstrapped. Um, it's called Be Decent Environmental Activism 2.0. Um, Be Decent is a play on words about decentralized technology. Okay. It's really about how, uh, because as your point, you know, original point, we have a camera on every single phone. Yeah. Um, we can use that to capture information, whether it's about wildlife, whether it's about invasive species, whether okay. that's about uh, litter. Uh-huh. Right. And just through participating in apps, through sharing on social media, we can make a really super positive environmental change. Now, this is um, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, my my mother has a really interesting anecdote. Just as I was I was telling her, you know, about the book, you know, some time ago. And she was like, oh, you know, she lives down in Florida um, where I'm from originally. And one of her commutes uh, brings her right past a, a, a state park. And somebody at some point had uh, dumped 16 bags of trash right okay. along the like highway to uh, the state park. Sure. And she saw, you know, uh, there was such an uproar on social media. So many people stopped and took photos and shared. So who did this? What yeah, was yeah, it yeah. that 
it actually sparked an investigation where it was both cleaned up and that person was cited oh. for the illegal dumping. Oh, fantastic. Just because people stopped mm-hmm. and said, no, this is not okay. I'm going to take a picture of it. I'm going to put it on Facebook and I'm going to yeah. tell all of my neighbors and all my friends that I think that this is not okay. And it actually wow. um, you know, gained a lot of traction. Wow. Okay. I love that I don't know where the conversation goes and be decent. Um, and then also the the approach and the perspective and the sort of the the point of view uh wasn't expecting it and really really enjoying it and and as a conservationist also so kind of going like hey that that's a that sparks some really interesting ideas in my head but i also want to move on to the next photo good Yes, absolutely. Awesome. And I just want to point out that obviously it's working because that's exactly what I want to do. I want to spark that thought yes. in people's brains. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's working. Yes. Okay, so the next photograph. Oh, okay. Hard left or hard right. I love it. Uh, right? It's, a, it's a portrait of you with your fiery red hair. Uh, yes. Yes let's see, f- matching lipstick, wearing yep. a glitter vest shirt, or maybe this shirt is just up to the top, uh, kind of mm-hmm. short sleeved, very glittery. My like very, yes. yeah, very glam. Underneath is a, uh, it looks like a black t-shirt with um, glow in the dark skeleton underneath. That's correct. Now go ahead, take it away. It's ultra femme. Right. You know, I've got a hair. I've got my gold hair barrette. I've got a feminist feminine pose. My hair is bright red. I've Mm -hmm. got some sparkles. I've got some glow. Um, And the reason being is that I'm definitely, uh, you know, unapologetically feminine. I think that, um, you know, I my main space is environmental activism, environmental advocacy. I like to stay in my lane because, you know, you got to stay on message and all that. But I cannot deny my experience, uh, you know, both as a you know, female small business owner in a patriarchal society and a survivor of domestic violence, right? right. Like I have personally had to work really, really hard to both understand and embrace really what feminine power means yep. and uh, how it actually is not necessarily something that stands in uh, competition to mm-hmm. like sort of that masculine concept of, of, you know, power and authority and, and all that, but rather as an alternative. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, I have a very intent, um, uh, you know, in addition to being an author and an advocate and, you know, all that, I have a marketing business. Yeah. I, uh, you know, Plug pay it. several people's mortgages and provide health insurance and, you know, all that thing, all those things. And I do it with a management style that is very intentionally compassionate. Okay. That is very intentionally generous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have gotten feedback in the past that, you know, you don't have to do things this way. Like you could, it, you don't have to feel responsible and accountable to your employees, you know, and, all, you know, it's, it's, you know, they have a job and they should be right. grateful for that. And, right. you know, and I just don't agree. I don't agree. Um, I have developed my own leadership perspective that is based on the power of compassion and yeah. the power of empathy. Yeah. And uh, I believe strongly in the business case for right. uh, running an economy that way. Okay. Uh, it makes people loyal to you and it makes people work harder for you and it makes everyone happier and more trustworthy and more trusting. Um, and that's really kind of the, the way that I try to uh, mold my local economy. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, 
So my interview style is uh, very self-indulgent in which my guest speaks and I say, oh, holy shit, I can create connections to that and then see where that leads us. Okay, so I worked with a very, uh, 15 years, I've worked with a very successful business owner and together we looked at what is service, I call it service network leadership because I look at what the network is and a huge part of our argument is uh, and he is super successful right so have you heard of dhl mm -hmm. yeah okay so he's one of the co-founders of dhl so as successful as you could be i think in business or could yeah. expect and his thing was really dhl is essentially a network it's a service network and you didn't know i was going to say this and i didn't know you're going to say that what you've said but We've talked about this idea that in a service network, you have to be decent. Now, is it just a convergence? Now, it's a, it's, we use it outside of decentralization and everything, but we say that if you are decent and uh, trust, where, if you're in a habitat where trust beats skill, your mm -hmm. team will do better, right? Like when people trust yeah. and love and admire each other, and it's like, we fight against the mentality promoted by business schools of like top down command and control that the jerky business sort of leader or, or manager more likely, not really a leader. Yep. And so when you say that you very consciously present a kind of leadership, a kind of vision or tenor or tone in your team that is obviously feminine, obviously um, caring, empathic. So we talk about the three C's of competence, character, and care, right? So you have to be competent, but that's the minimum. Mm -hmm. you, have yes. to have, you have to have character so that you're trustworthy and you have to care. So yeah. how you describe your idea and approach to your business is I am a thousand percent with you on that so i love it yeah and i can tell you that uh this is just something that i have learned through my direct experience yeah right yeah um i really used to believe and i started off as a freelancer right i got you know okay. i didn't have i was i was just at sort of the top of my game the technical writing right and regulatory compliance and so okay i'm just gonna start being a mercenary instead of a company man right and starting out alone and building a business where uh, I know that today I cannot do what I do without the people who help me. Sure. Uh, it just provides an innate sense of appreciation for them. Like, yes, I've done it alone and it's awful doing it alone. Right. And I've encountered a lot of people who I personally believe allow their kind of perfectionism and their and their sense of, you know, control and all of these things that do help you get to the top of your industry to achieve right. that high level of competence. But it does not facilitate collaboration, right? People don't they won't do it your way. They will do it their way. Yep. They have their own skills. And instead of trying to force, you know, a round peg into a square hole, it's really a matter of communicating with people and understanding them and uh, you know, seeing where the best fit is. And if there isn't a fit, then you move on mutually, you know, understanding yep. that, you know, it was all all good along the way, right? Yep. Um and, uh, you know, in terms of that top-down leadership style, I'm really 
uh, I believe that it will eventually uh, become antiquated only because so many people in my cohort, right? Mm-hmm, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 34, mm-hmm. uh, elder millennial among the older millennial generation. And people in my, you know, around me are, you know, bailing on their high money careers sure. because at this point, it, what what's it worth, right? Yeah. Burning out 16 hours a day for a boss that yells at you yeah. is not worth the money, right? right? You know, go out and live in the middle middle of a of a county park in Hong Kong and yeah. listen to cows and love your life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Compliment you know? accepted. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love it. Uh, okay, so plug your company. What's the company? Sure. So. Yeah, the company is called Axiom Communications, A-X-I-O-M. Um, we've got a couple of brands that we've been able to spun off. Again, just because I, I can't help myself, right? Mm. You know, whenever I have a new idea for a new project, I get really excited about mm-hmm. it. And like, you know, I just have to carry, I have to manifest it into reality. No, I love it. Um, so uh, we provide legal marketing services under the brand Colorado Legal Marketing, as well as social media services under Axiom Social. Okay. And then technical writing and compliance, content marketing, uh, thought leadership under Axiom Communications. And the Be Decent project is not only like the culmination of my, right, you know, sort of like life's work, but also a proof of concept, right? You know, um, it's some, I have built myself a thought leadership platform uh, as uh, the owner of a marketing company to show people that you can build yourself a thought leadership platform, right? right? Um, It can't be inauthentic. Like it must be something that is, that really is true to you because simply nobody can put in the time and the energy for something sustainably, right? Yep, that yep. That is not just something that speaks to them in their heart and soul. But at the same time, it's, I think, very consistent with the way that marketing is mm-hmm. going these days, mm-hmm. where, okay, we're inundated by information. We don't need any more information. We can find the information that we want. It's really more so about getting to know people as an individual and finding your community. Yep. My community is environmental technology, you know, gypsy nature lovers. Okay. Like that sounds like a very small niche, but there's millions of us out there. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, here's what what, I know that the, in the audio, your energy is going to carry forward, but I'd like to also share with the listener that you're hopping on your chair and you're like, you're you're just right. You're radiating this sort of this energy. and, And that's part of, it's it's a it's an important part of what I want to kind of convey through through the podcast and also through my work and all this stuff is this idea that you can sit back and be an observer or you can sort of step forward and just go for it and just be active and just so I'm gonna change I'm gonna downshift a little bit and feel free to ignore it's not you know it's not gonna be a question it's just if there's a question you find it and you talk about whatever you want to answer but how you framed yourself to me was an important sort of anchor or or something that was there was this concept of domestic violence and abuse that you went through, pushed through, survived through, had to process, and it probably took you that long time of living by yourself to kind of clearing that out. Absolutely. But, but in listening to you, there's that... And I understand that abuse and and violence is super complex because it's got the the psychological side to it that can really, you know, take the feet your feet out from underneath you. But listening to you now, it's almost inconceivable to me that 
your energy and and self-possession yeah. would let somebody trample over you. You don't give me yes. that feeling. Yeah, and what you're picking up on is empowerment, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's the difference between then and now is that I have discovered self-love and self-acceptance and empowerment where, you know, I have built not only, you know, a brand and a presence and like, you know, a, an actual legacy, right? Like, you know, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to feel good about the impact that I had on my life, that I've had, my life has had on this planet, right? Wow. Uh, and that's really because I had to start believing in myself at some point. All I had ever done, you know, growing up as a, you know, a good little girl is listen to what was told to me. Right. Do well in school. Uh, don't, you know, don't date around, right? Don't, you know, don't date a lot of guys, right? Be very limited and, you know, sort of like, you know, your interactions on that, uh, get a really good job and, you know, stay with that company. And as sound as that advice sounds, yeah. as good as that advice sounds, it was completely wrong for me. And I followed it every step of the way, just believing that eventually it would work out. But the truth of the matter is that no, like every journey is individual. Yeah. And all you really have are the the gifts that you are born with and you carry forward into this world, right? You know, and again, like reflecting on sort of the generational impact, I was a senior in high school when the housing market crashed, right? right? So right. like I was graduating from high school in an economy where my friend's parents were losing their houses and everyone was moving in with the grandparents. Wow. Um, I graduated college in, uh, you know, in the recession that followed right. where I was living in Palm beach County at the time, my, uh, condo was literally across the river from Mar-a-Lago. You could see oh. the top of Mar-a-Lago okay. from, you know, from the other side. I lived on the poor side, obviously, right, right. You know, but you could look, look across and see the wealth. There was over 13% unemployment in that County at that time. And there was a complete hiring freeze on all public jobs, no teachers, no waste management, nothing. And so, you know, kind of growing up and being told that you go through school, you get a great job, you get a solid, you know, husband, wife, partner, you have a nuclear family with 2.5 children, and then you retire with a gold watch at, you know, 25 years. Yeah. That all sounded like really sound advice, but it was given to me from people who had the best intentions yeah. that had no idea how to function in the new world, right, that had right, no right. idea how to function in this environment presently. Sure. And so I had to really start believing in myself. That, you know what, people might give you advice and as tempting as that might be to uh, give up your own autonomy to just rely on what people say, you can't, right? Okay. You know, you have to really discover to, you know, the, the power of listening to yourself and following your own beliefs. And sure. you know what, nobody would ever tell me, uh, it took me 11 days to move out of uh, Vermont. Okay. Uh, it took two bonfires, like I burned a bunch of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you know, old curtains and sure. pillows and things that I couldn't get rid of at the, at the, at the dump or at the thrift store. And it was just a solid, almost two weeks of just getting rid of, like getting rid of all of my possessions. I went from a two bedroom with a storage unit to a Jeep, literally. Simplifying your and life. And yeah. I hit the road and I started freelancing, you know, like 40 bucks a day would be enough to pay for the campsite and dinner. And nobody would ever tell you you should do that. Sure. Nobody sure. would ever give you the advice of, you know what, just, you know, light a bonfire, burn yeah. a bunch of shit that you can't get rid of uh -huh. and hit the road. And, you know, th that's how you're going to start your successful career. But that's what I did. So 
Shooting in Raw is all about being an arsonist. No, it isn't. It's all about inspiring people. <laughs> it was a permitted bonfire. Yeah, okay? yeah, okay, it's fine. I, got, it's fine. I, got, I, got, I got permits for it. <laughs> Let's move on to the next photograph. This is great. This is great. Yes. Okay. Uh, in this photo, you're in the nice sun. You're with a, I'm assuming this is the, you, you've a bit of foreshadowing from before, but you're Yes. It's a close portrait. I, it's a selfie because I can see your arm yes. kind of reaching forward. You've got mm-hmm. a rock climbing uh, helmet on. You've got your sunglasses. Yep. It's sunny. It's beautiful. And you've got um, a German Shepherd. And I could see on, yes. on her muzzle that it, there's a bit of the gray there. So yes. uh, I see. I could just, just see the hint of somebody's head behind you. Uh, there's just there's the the rock face on the left. You're on a kind of uh, cleared ground, and f- a little farther off in the distance, you can see a bit of a hill with some trees. It's very it's very arid, and yes, uh, a woman and her dog. What's your dog's yes. name? Sissy, Sissy, little sister. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, as somebody who's had six six dogs in his house, and they're essentially hitting old age and you know we outlive our dogs which is very it's very intense right and you know the companionship of your of your pet of your dog is 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 really intense because it's a it's a it's a very pure kind of connection Uh, it's very emotional and then we see our our dogs from pups they go through their whatever life adulthood and they become seniors and then they start losing their health and their mobility and all this stuff and it's it's very tough so after i've just dumped all this on your shoulders why did you put this absolutely beautiful photo of you and sissy on on as in your series well obviously anyone who owns a dog knows why there's a dog selfie in there right like there's just like an in, like sure. because we love our dogs sure. and like every we just believe that our dog is the most beautiful and adorable dog there is and of everyone course. wants to see photos of them and yep. so my dog is the most beautiful adorable dog there is and everyone wants you know obviously um no well really uh because Sissy has been the one single tether that has been consistent throughout my adult life yeah. i got that dog off of Craigslist out of somebody's backyard yeah. when I was 21 years old, oh, wow. right? Wow. And um, she has been with me through the beginning and end of my marriage, through yeah. the death of a parent, oh, through wow. every vehicle I have owned as an adult, through every apartment I have lived in. Uh, and she has been the one thing that has been consistently there. And uh, just as people are sentimental about things that uh, bring them, like that are a tether to the past, sure. Um, she is very much my living tether. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she is a senior lady. I she's my only child, and she's a first world doggy, so she gets the best possible medical sure. care. You know, sure. she's like <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna keep that dog up and running for as long as we possibly can. But you know, sort of to your point. Um, all things in life are passing to some degree. Sure, and uh, there's actually like, if you notice the tank top, I've got a little Buddhist yeah. on the tank top. And that, that one actually says, don't hate, meditate. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and as much as that's a bit of a joke, I, I am a practicing Buddhist. I practice, gen, I practice Zen Buddhism. Okay. And 
So there is an element of, uh, you know, in, in Buddhism, they really teach you that attachment is the heart of all suffering. Of course. Right? Of course. Because everything in life is temporary. Yep. And uh, when you create attachments with things, you're just uh, setting yourself up for the pain of detachment, sure, right? Which is part sure. of the reason why I like Buddhist monks, you know, they don't own anything. They, you know, all these yeah. things. But the truth of the matter is, is that the pain of loss is worth it yeah. when uh, you have an attachment that gives you so much, right? So yes, I have told all of my friends and everyone who knows me, uh, because uh, honestly, like, the dog has predated most of my friendships and my relationships, sure. you know, outside of my mom and my sister at this point, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I tell everyone like, oh, you know, this is my senior dog, FYI, when she passes, when she leaves me, I'm going to be a puddle on the floor. Of I course. will be a total disaster. No, no, a mess, you know? a mess for sure. Yes. For yes, sure. No, uh, look, but that's, you know, that's the price of love, right? Yeah, well, yeah, so, so again, this isn't an interview, like, uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's more about the exchange of uh, nurturing and feeding each other, right? So, so right now, one of my dogs is undergoing chemotherapy. And in our house, we are making the tough decision of quality of life, in which Okay, we give him the chemo, it wipes out his white, white blood cells, he gets sepsis, so we have to give him the antibiotics, and then you're looking at the whole, okay, the, the, the back and forth, and somebody who doesn't have a dog will be like, come on, come on, like, who cares, whatever, but it strips down, in a way, the relationship is really stripped down, because it's, you project your feelings onto this being, that is clearly a being, clearly sentient, clearly within the world and understanding the world with its own, his or her own intelligence and sentience. And you learn from each other. It's, you're obviously getting so much from Sissy as she is getting from you. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the oh. companionship, it goes both ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yes, you will be a mess. And... Uh, I was born into a very Jewish household, and uh, but I say that the most Jewish thing to do is to become an atheist, and the most um, yeah for sure like because if you are to question authority and to question the world and to be part of the world, then of course you'd be like hey wait a second why would I separate myself and Buddhism. So I understand you. I understand how you're making sense of the world okay yes now somebody who, who who's listening to us and is listening to you what would you say to them to for it to make sense in their life just as you find meaning from sissy and from buddhism and being outside and connecting to the to, to the biosphere how do you make that present for somebody else who'll be like what are you talking about I would really frame that as developing the ability of living beyond yourself, right? That, sure, uh, I go through this world in my individual existence as Samantha Jewel Fow, and I interact with people in this body, which has a direct identity that has many unique and valuable perspectives and, and all of that. And because that is my experience. And likewise, you have that same autonomous experience and everyone has that same autonomous experience. It's so easy to feel isolated. 
Okay. Right? Especially this day and age, right. especially, you know, like literally uh, isolation is, uh, you know, a, a, a part of our lifestyle. And I think that it's really easy to uh, kind of spiral down into like, you know, loneliness and sadness and, and all of that, because, you know, from an individual point of view, how much impact can one person really have, right? You know, how much loss can one person really suffer? Like, you know, it's, sure. it's, it can certainly be overwhelming. And, uh, you know, certainly through my extensive self-help journey, because as you said, yes, it did take me many years to recover. Like sure. it was a lot of, 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 you know, treatment, right? Yeah, and and yeah. work to like, you know, kind of overcome the impacts of, of trauma. Mm-hmm. But that was a big part of it is that understanding that, you know, we live in a big wide world full of beautiful people and beautiful experiences. And as much as we have some degree of control over, okay, I want this and I don't want that, or I want to associate with myself with this or, or not that, or I want a dog or I want a cat or I want a kid or I don't want anything. Mm-hmm. Our control has limits, Yep. right? Uh, eventually you do uh, get up against the wall of your bubble where no matter how much you try or spend or, uh, you know, push or anything you do, it's, it's, you can't impact the situation. Okay. Right? Yeah. Death is one of those absolutes. Yeah. There is, there are all sorts of people out there that are getting their pets cloned yeah, and they're yeah, like yeah. trying to overcome. Right. You know, right. but the truth of the matter is, is that it's something that is, that exists beyond your realm of control. And, um, there is something so beautiful about just accepting that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about meditation, right? That's really what you're doing in in a moment of meditation is that you are in your experience, right. not in your head, right? Which, um, how, which, okay, I, I, I know to keep things moving, I should go into the next image, but I want to say, what can you connect between meditation, how Sissy sees the world, and what it's like to rock climb? Is there a connection? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So rock climbing was, uh, I, I got into meditation for through lots of things, but mostly through physical practice, right? Like, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, struggle to rest their minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when your body is active, you're distracted. And so like, sure. you know, it's a little, it, it was a little bit easier for me to get into it, uh, you know, while I was doing some sort of like physical practice. And rock climbing was the first thing that I discovered where uh, it was something where, that required absolute focus. Right. You cannot be distracted in yeah. that moment. You must focus 100% on what you are doing or else you will actually fall, right? Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. will, you know, it's, it, it's, it's dangerous. Yep. And there is a lot, uh, that's a substantial meditation, meditative training experience, right? Like, no, no matter what's bugging you today, no matter what weird thoughts are going through your head, you really have no choice but to put them out because you have a challenge in front of you to scale a mountain, scale a rock and gravity is working against you. And again, these are things that, right. You you can't do anything about that. Right. So you have to focus on what you're doing. Um, and in terms of, you know, so rock climbing has been a big part of my meditation practice and it it continues to be like, you know, as is dance and as is yoga and like, you know, all sorts of like physical movement practices. Nice. And I think that, uh, you know, in terms of connecting it back to sissy, this is another reason why I love animals so much is because animals always live in the moment. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, sure. They, they also experience trauma and they carry things, you know, like through their lives that are, you know, are impacted, you know, from the past, but for the most part, their awareness is in that present moment. Mm -hmm. Sissy 
doesn't know, right, that she's 13 years old, right? Like she she just knows that she wakes up every morning and she likes her breakfast and she likes to lay out in the sunshine and (laughs) she likes her mom. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, it's like instead of like, you know, focusing on all the things that could be running through our minds, like associated with like, you know, like all of the many things that are heavy about living, um, what's going on right now in this moment? Mm. This moment, I'm having a lovely conversation with you, right? Oh, and my, and my lovely dog is resting, right? Nice. As as are your pets, right? Yep. So um, all's good with the world, right? Yes. What a beautiful way to transition to the next photograph, shall we? <laughs> yes. Boom. Speaking of physical movement practice. <laughs> so uh, visually, the very okay. It's still outside. Uh, but wait, hold yes. on. Plug the title of your book one more time so it gets burned into people's minds. Be Decent, Environmental Activism 2.0. And the name of your company? Axiom Communications, like axioms and idioms. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the photograph. Okay, so half of the photo is sky with wispy, cirrus clouds way high above. But there is a little bit of cloud cover closer to some green. Now we're looking at green hillsides off in the distance. In the foreground, which is in focus, it's uh, grass with a bit of rock. It's way more lush than the previous images of Moab and the desert and everything. And what what creates the image... And look, it's it is both... It's just a snap. It's it's a snapshot. Yet aesthetically, what it is is uh, of you. I'm assuming that's you doing yes. a what could be a handstand with uh, legs open wide to the sky. So your body creates a Y, basically with your feet, the uh, the leg, the arms of the Y, and your arms the the basically the the base, and. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about handstands and whys and why this photo. I love it. Well, I will say that my life these days involves a lot of uh, cartwheels yeah. and handstands <laughs> and somersaults and giggling. You're bonkers. And I love it. <laughs> ecstatic. Exactly. Exactly. Bonkers indeed because – of the importance of discovering joy and finding joy. Nice. Uh, you know, I like the example of handstands and cartwheels because I remember when I was six years old, handstands and cartwheels were like a priority. Sure. The play was a priority. When did we stop playing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When did we stop getting out and laughing and rolling in the grass and falling down? Mm-hmm. Who convinced us that that's no longer fun? Because it's a ton of fun. Okay. Yep. Like Agreed. go out and try it. So that exact photograph is actually on the top of uh, Mount Alyeska in Alyeska, Alaska. Oh, wow. I hiked it. Yeah, I hiked it. It's um, I can't tell you exactly how long the hike is, but there's a it's at the Alyeska Ski Resort and they have a gondola. Okay. So if you you have to pay on the way up for the gondola, but if you hike the way up the mountain, they get they let you ride the gondola down for free. Oh, okay. So I was like, yeah, sure, <laughs> so sure. like, I, you know, hike my, like three and a half miles or whatever up, up, up the mountain. Nice. And, you know, at the top, like, you know, there's all sorts of pictures of me, like, you know, doing like big, you know, jumps and cartwheels and, you know, all these things, even though I just climbed a mountain. That's um, great. Because it's fun. Yep, yep. And like discover joy, people. Like I love it. it is all around you. Yeah. 
you just have to find it. And your exact flavor of joy is unique to you. Yep. And so as hysterical as it sounds for me to be, you know, sort of like unapologetically bonkers about a 34-year-old who loves to do cartwheels it's and great. desperately wants to improve their handstands, it's fun. Right? So Go have fun. Let me make a connection to that. So uh, I've done years of Muay Thai, you know, I've done years and years of mm-hmm. – I, I like to say that I'm a um, – I'm a beginner with 25 years of experience. Okay. Yes. So, so I'm all about physical fitness and all and being outside and doing that stuff. But very recently to kind of get outside of my, just to try something different and completely, completely new, I've done, uh, started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Mm -hmm. within, and so I'm a total, it's very humbling because I'm useless and a total white belt, whatever. And one of the exercises which is hilarious because I'm in the adult cl- class, whatever. So there are about like five to 10 guys, you know, who are all fit and everything. And cognitively, it's really fascinating where I can do handstands and I can do uh, cartwheels pretty well. I have a good mm-hmm. sense of that. But then one of the things was, okay, do a reverse cartwheel. So if you normally do a cartwheel with your left hand leading, yeah, now do it with your right hand leading. And it feels totally off and mm-hmm. everyone's awkward and it's just hilarious to watch, which, yes. so to you, I would say, well, you know what, uh, if you normally do cartwheels one side, try to master cartwheels on the other side. I don't know. Are you a, are you a <laughs> cartwheel queen? I don't know. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I could definitely uh, hang with the best of them. On the I'm throwing it down. Do. <laughs> you have to send me yes. a video of you doing a cartwheel from yes. both sides. <laughs> I will. I will. And you'll be mad impressed. Well, I think that, you know, sort of to your point, we get so much into our heads that we lose our connections with our bodies. Yep. Right. Uh, we get so used to a certain physical practice, whether it's just, you know, getting up and making breakfast and going to the office and coming home and. Yeah that we our our bodies will literally forget it's their full range of abilities yeah, right yeah and we're doing that to ourselves we're imposing those limitations on ourselves yep. i'm a big advocate for the mind body connection because of it's something that has really helped me a lot in in terms of my own sort of like emotional and mental healing for sure but also because as a cautionary tale your body will turn on you yep. right if yep. you don't treat it properly eventually sure it will break down and it just will. Yeah. 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 And um, you know, whether that is because you are not taking care of your stress and you are overstressed, whether that is because you are not uh, taking care of your nutritional needs or your physical needs or your emotional needs, your mind and your body are partners. And uh, if you push your body too hard, if your mind pushes your body too hard, eventually your body will uh, pack its bags and uh, give up on you. So I really do encourage people to move, feel every nerve, feel every muscle, feel what the sunlight feels like on your skin and have those moments of being in your body and checking in with your body and, you know, just taking care of it and being grateful because, you know, it, it does a lot for you. So uh, we can spend a little bit of time doing something for it, right? I like that you exclaimed, be joyous. Yes. I can't say enough. Uh, you know, we're speaking the same language. You know what I mean? It's like totally. you and me, we're totally speaking the same freaking language. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. It's yes. Cool. Yes. Totally. Totally. Samantha Jewel Fauf. Jewel, it's like, it's not an accident. You're high energy. It's in, oh, it's in yeah. your name. 
you know, like my name, Ran, means joy, joyfulness. So, mm -hmm. so this has been all really, you know, sometimes I have to ask at the end or towards whatever, say, look, what can we say to inspire a listener? But I hear and feel inspiration just coming out of your pores, right? So I, one of the things that occurred to me was that as a business owner, like I can feel the authenticity of you saying, well, you know, I can create a business where people earn a livelihood where being decent and being caring and being, you know, is, is part of the, the culture. Yep. So I'm going to shut up now. We've been talking for more than an hour and I'm going to let you finish to say by saying what you think is important. Oh gosh. Well, there's obviously a long list of things that I think is important, but um, you know, if I'm really leaving with one single message, it is the importance of personal empowerment. Um, uh -huh. I have really found my own way yeah. uh, in my own space because I spent time and energy and intention discovering myself wow. instead of listening to all of the messages that I had been taught to believe, mm -hmm. really sitting and parsing out, okay, do I really, is this really me? Is this yep. really what I think? Or is, have I just been for some reason or another convinced to believe this? And that's really um, what has opened up doors for me. Uh, you know, being authentic uh, really requires, you know, courageous self-love and, uh, you know, an element of, of fearless self-discovery. And uh, it's hard, but it's it's really worth it. So as much as it would be odd for an environmental advocate <laughs> to not be like, and stop climate change, you know, like, <laughs> no, that's really what I say is like, um, regardless of whether you my message resonates with you or uh, somebody else's or something else's, that's something that I really believe everyone um, needs to needs to internalize. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> Sam, thank you. I love. No, it's this is such a gift. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Yes, likewise. Thank you, thank you, Ron. I have had so much fun. I am so glad to be a guest. I look forward to any and all opportunities to collaborate in the future. Please do send me yep. uh, your materials and service leadership, and don't think that you're not going to get a cartwheel video because I will. Uh, no, I want to see it. No, no, but both left, both left <laughs> and right. Oh, you'll see it. It'll be beautiful. Okay. Oh, you're awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it.